0: Everyday witches emerge from the shadows of secrecy. Broom closets are flinging open and witches are taking flight. Whether you are hiding in your cozy closet or flying with pride, stay for a spell as Witchcasting with Theodora Pendragon and her guests share magical moments, stir the cauldron, and debunk misinformation and misconceptions about paganism witches and our wonderful world of magic
1: Welcome to Witchcasting with Theodore Pendragon I'm your host Theodora Today, I have a special guest. Her name is Corby Mitlight. She's a psychic, channel and medium, reading since 1973. Well, we have a lot to cover, don't we, Corby? Just a
2: little bit, yes. Well, welcome. It's good to be here.
1: Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Because 1973, I don't know what year we should start.
2: Well... There's the old I started out as a child thing. I call that my 32nd elevator speech. When I was nine, I read a book called The Witch Family by Eleanor Estes. And instead of thinking, ooh, that's scary or ha ha ha, I thought, and your point is, I knew there was magic in the world. I wanted to go find it. In 1973, I was a senior in high school working part-time at Spencer Gifts. They had the James Bond 007 Tower deck, and I bought it because we were all hippies then. You had your elephant bell-bottoms and your David Crosby fringe jacket and your deck. Now, five years later, everybody else had moved on to roller skates and disco balls. I was still reading because the cards fascinated me. So for 20 years, I read for friends, making sure that I was a clear channel for the information and I kept my ego out of the way. All of a sudden, in the early 90s, I could do hands-on healing and talk to dead people with no training. That's when the universe handed me my draft notice and said, hello, you're working for us. So I did it part-time with otherwise a very checkered career, actress, author, inspirational speaker, writer for the graphic novel series ElfQuest, executive recruiter, legal assistant. But then came 9-11. And as we watched the towers burn, I looked at my husband and I said, I need to do the psychic work full time. People need to know there are other answers out there. He said, I believe in you, go do it. So since then, six days a week, 14 hours a day, I read about a thousand people a year and I get to get up in the morning. I don't have to get up in the morning. And that's the key.
1: What kind of readings do you do?
2: I'm a bit of a general practitioner. When somebody sits down with me, Uh, The first thing I say to them is, What is the most important thing you want to get out of your knowing today? Because I'm fast. But if you're with me, even a half an hour or an hour, and I cover from volume A to Q of your life, and what you wanted was back at volume T, you're going to say, Ah, she didn't know anything. She didn't tell me anything. So we find out Is it the everyday tour bus, house, car, job, kids, finances? Okay, God, you put me here. Now what? Is it past lives? Who was I in 1642 Belgium and why do I have an obsession about oatmeal? Or I want to speak to my spirit guide, Binky, or how's dead Aunt Mabel? That's where it really comes from. And as you can tell, I take my work seriously, but me not so much. The whole point with working with me is I do not care to amaze you with my wiki woo. I am here in service. So it's here are your opportunities and how to grab them. Here's the tough stuff. Here's how to get through or around it. Here's your toolbox. Go rock and roll.
1: You are also on radio and television as an inspirational teacher and facilitator. Mm-hmm. Tell us about that. As you can tell,
2: theater training, uh, theater major at Brand University, and I did act in New York, and I have done professional voiceovers. Audiences are fun. And I've even done stand-up comedy about You Think a Psychic's Life is Easy because People need to understand we're not scary, nor are we fakes, but they have to understand what we can do, what we can't, and how to keep themselves safe. So that's the kind of lecturing I do. I've also been through three bouts of breast cancer, two divorces, the death of my parents, rape, poverty, abuse. Yeah, I've been all that, but I teach with that too. I teach how to live the examined life and how to ask yourself the three most important questions in the world so you can take any of these very tough things and find your way Through it. Having done all that also makes me pretty compassionate. There's probably nothing you're going to bring to me that I haven't already seen.
1: When you did stand up comedy, was it from a psychic's perspective? Absolutely. People don't
2: understand what we go through. And one of the things that I tell people is 95% of people's questions are some version of Does Bruce love me? And sometimes they're going to come into this and they are not going to take whatever answer. They keep asking the same question over and over again, tilting it ever so slightly to see if they can get you to give them the answer they want. And the example I use is, does Bruce think about me? No. Has he ever thought about me? Not the way you want. If I do such and such, will he think about me? No. Is he going to call soon? No, he's not. Well, if he isn't going to call soon, is he going to call later? And they keep pushing on you until you finally go, yes, yes, he loves you and he wants seven babies with you, but he just doesn't understand it yet. Oh, good. I thought so. Don't do that. That
1: is hilarious.
2: And it happens. Oh, my God, does it happen? It's stories like that. Well, what if you see something bad happening? Would you tell them? I say, look, I do not censor what I get. I'm not supposed to. So there was a woman in Kitchener, Ontario. And I saw that she was going to take in her border and she might want to sell her house. And I told her these things and she looks at me and she goes, you suck. And she gets up and walks away. Well, okay, live and be well. The next time I come to Kitchener, who was the first person in my chair? She sits down and she says, last time I said, you sucked. I said, yes, I remember. Because you told me I was probably going to take in her border and then I might want to sell my house. And I thought that was all bull." But my daughter got pregnant and moved home. And now I'm going to sell my house because I want to help raise my grandson. And I still don't like you, but I want to know what else you see. Don't shoot the messenger.
1: And you didn't know who the border was. You just knew there was a border. And she's probably thinking a stranger, but a border could be anybody who moves into your home. Yes.
2: We are not supposed to say this is every tree, rock, and gas station you're going to see going from point A to point B. We just see it's point A to point B.
1: Yeah. What is probably the most interesting client you've ever had or the most interesting reading you've given? There are so many, I can't
2: pick out one. But I do know that I love when past lives that I find have real meaning. Now, there is a difference between past life regression and past life retrieval. Past life regression must only be done by a certified hypnotherapist or past life retrieval expert because you're the one that gets hypnotized and goes up into the Akashic. And if you see a grisly death, a traumatic experience in a past life, they're the ones who know how to gently pull you back so you can be objective about it. I do retrieval, which is a different thing. It's where you give me an obsession, a phobia, phobia a person, a place you don't understand. And I go up to the Akasha, pull down the book and say, read chapter two. And the examples I use for that, a woman came to me and said, I don't know what to do about my son. He's 29. He won't live more than a mile from me. He asks me about every single decision he's going to make. This is not right. What is going on? So I drop into trance in about 30 seconds. I say, okay, it's 1944. This is Utah beach. So I'm seeing, you know, world war II d D-Day. Your son is on the beach. He's a soldier. He's taken some shrapnel in the leg. He's bleeding out pretty badly. You're his commanding officer and you scramble over the dune and you drag him to safety. You take some shrapnel too, but you both live. And I open my eyes and she's very pale. And she says, can you see my rank? I said, yes, you were Sergeant. She goes, he's called me Sarge since he was three years old and we have never known why. Oh, how interesting. So that's when past lives are important. If there is something in this life that you keep stumbling over or you need to understand further, do not come to me and say, I must have been Anne Boleyn because I can't wear turtlenecks. A, I've heard a lot of that before, and B, no. Besides, you may not want to know all of your past lives. If you're a janitor in Des Moines and all of a sudden you find out that you were Napoleon Bonaparte. You really think you're going to want to be lugging that mop around for the next 15 years? Probably not.
1: (laughs) You've been featured in Robert Schwartz's Breakthrough Series. Let's talk about that. Sure. Tell us who Robert Schwartz is for anyone who doesn't know.
2: Robert Schwartz used to be an MBA. He had nothing to do with psychic anything, but through his own experiences realized we do have past lives. The way I put it is, you really think we're smart enough to get it all done in one? No. So he understands that we do pre-birth planning and that in our life between lives, we decide what karmic challenges we're going to have. Karma is not bad and good carrot and stick. Karma is five things. Healing, service, contrast, unbalanced energy, and healing of beliefs. And within that, there are lots of subsections, but those are the five main ones. And when you understand that the idea of good and bad karma is kindergarten and you throw it aside, you understand a lot more. And the story I love to use for that is Ryan White. Ryan was the kid who got AIDS from a blood transfusion back in the late 80s, very early 90s. And because we didn't really understand AIDS at all then, everybody thought he was a pariah, a horrible person, and his family was absolutely trashed and shunned. But somehow, He became friends with Elton John, and Elton was very supportive of the family. When Ryan died at age 18, Elton played at his funeral. Ryan inspired Elton to go to rehab and get off drink and drugs and everything else he was on, and in Ryan's honor, he created the Elton John AIDS Foundation, which since then has raised over half a billion dollars for HIV and AIDS research and cure worldwide. In the old way of thinking, you would say, oh, Ryan White must have been a terrible person. Look what happened to him. Bad karma. But if you understand it as karma of service, his higher self, his soul said, well, if we choose this, it'll be a tough life and a short one, but look at what we can do for the world. So the karma was service, not retribution by
1: God. Tell us how you were featured on Robert Schwartz's series. Well, Robert was looking for people who could do channeling. I mean, it's
2: we're talking almost 25 years ago, so it's a little fuzzy. I've done it for so long. One of the reasons that I'm good with past lives is because when the universe hands you your draft notice and you take it, the universe starts rifling on your inside file cabinet. Yeah, I know I'm dating myself um, to see what you've got. What's my background? Theater major at Brown University, acted in New York, so I can understand characters and story arcs. Words are my drug of choice. I'm a writer, so I can tell the stories. And I have loved history since I was a very small child. You put that all together, and what's my mastery? Tarot cards and oracle cards, which tell stories, and past lives. Because you can give another person who does past lives and me the same vision. But if they don't have any kind of historical background, they're going to say, well, I see you in a long skirt and a big hat, and you're in front of a very fancy building. So maybe it's Europe in the 19th century or something. I could look at it and go, hobble skirt, picture hat, that kind of ostrich feather, and you're in front of the Brandenburg Gate. So that's Berlin in 1911 or 1912. On the other hand, do not ask me to do spirit art because I cannot draw a stick figure with a sharp pencil and a lot of prayer. Not my wheelhouse. So basically, Rob found out I was really good with past lives. And we also discovered, which I didn't know, that I could actually channel people's souls for them to talk to. Remember, we are just a costume that our soul wears. Corby, Theodora, we are a one and done recipe. It's the soul that keeps coming back over and over again. So for me to be able to reach that higher self and channel it for, The higher self's personality, so the personality's ego doesn't get in the way of the channeling. That was a big discovery. And is it exhausting when I do it? Oh, yeah. Is it useful? Intensely.
1: Do you want to tell us about the books you've written?
2: Oh, absolutely. I wrote three. They're all nonfiction because I've written fiction. I wrote fiction for ElfQuest, but nonfiction is what I've lived, and it's easier for me. So the first book I wrote was actually a self-help book called Clean Out Your Life Closet. The idea is every one of us has read a self-help book. We have. And I remember how much damage they can do because I remember the first one I ever read. I was 13. It was 1968. And to this day, I remember the first paragraph. Judy has a groovy wardrobe. Her makeup is fab and her hair is far out. But nobody likes Judy because Judy's fat. And in that one paragraph, hundreds of thousands of young American teenagers were told, you are freaking worthless unless you look as skinny as you can. That's the damage that was done. So when I wrote this book, Clarity, Adaptability, Simplicity, Making Friends with Stress, which are the four things my clients kept coming to me with, I designed it differently. Each chapter is, here's some of the dumb things I did. Here's maybe a client story, and here are some things to think about. But at the end of each chapter, I've got what I call the adventure pages, because they are things that you have to look at through your own life. You can't turn to page 82 and get it. For instance, in the chapter, when Why Perfect Isn't What You Think It Is, the three questions I ask, has perfect been a friend or foe in your life? Why? When did the search for perfection stop you from doing something important? How so? Think of a challenging situation and find three perfect things about it. How do your feelings about the situation change? What this does is it empowers the reader. And they learn that when they're in charge of their changes, not a self-help book, all the possibilities are open to them as well. The second one I wrote because of something that happened 18 years ago now at a big psychic fair in Toronto. I mean, the promoters were good, but you can't vet everybody when there are 250 people. So across from me was the fake gypsy types. And a woman was walking down the aisles, looking at all of us, and that was fine. But the fake gypsy comes out and grabs her arm in the middle of the aisle and that's hooking and that's as bad as the other kind of hooking but the gypsy said oh you no need to pay 30 40 50 dollars i reach your palm for 10 come drags the woman behind a screen 20 minutes later we see the client leaving crying hysterically and a bunch of us run over to find out what happened well the gypsy had said oh you have a family curse. Of How many in your family? Four. You have dog. Fifty dollars every family member. Twenty-five for dog. He's small. We folks. And then told the woman if she didn't burn four hundred specially blessed candles at the Roman Catholic church, I blessed real good. Only one dollar candle. Her entire family was going to die in a car accident in two weeks. And the woman bought it. And so, you know, after I stopped the rage, it, I just said, "This has to change." So I wrote a book called The Psychic Yellow Brick Road, How to Find the Real Wizards and Avoid the Flying Monkeys, because the idea is good psychic guidance is art and you shouldn't settle for a forgery. It is not a book on how to be a psychic. There are 60,000 books on those. This is how to find a good one, what to watch out for, what you can ask, what you shouldn't, the kinds of things we do. And I don't care if you never come to me. If you read this book and therefore you have a good intuitive session with another psychic, well, there's the saying, all boats rise. I have done something good for our profession. And the third one is, if you're crazy enough to want to do what I do, look, I'm 68. In 30 years, I am not going to be here and we're going to still need readers. So I had been on the road for 18 years, 45 weekends a year on the road but got a back injury in 2019, which put the kibosh to that. But I said, why should everything I learned not be available for the next generation? So you've got the magic who needs a genie is the A-lister's guide to holistic expo success. It's business, not how to be a psychic. You guys know how to do that, but it's how to choose the show's How to design your booth, what to wear, how to choose a front person, how to look professional, how to network, all of the things that a normal business book would have for you, but specifically done for psychics, healers, and metaphysical vendors.
1: All three sound very fascinating. They're all available on Amazon. They are. Um, but I'll tell you, you can get them on Kindle,
2: absolutely, and uh, Life Closet is an audiobook. But if you want the paperbacks, order them directly from me on corbymitlai dot com. You are going to save a lot in postage because they're all self published.
1: Okay, and I'll put your link in there so that they can order directly from you. Wonderful, and I'll order directly from you. Do you have a
2: podcast? Almost. I, you know, I've done four hundred of these over the past eight years. I love you guys. I get to. St- you know, meet perfect strangers and spout off my mouth for 30 minutes an hour. It's great fun. But I have other things that I do want to tell people that are short, 10 to 15 minutes. So I'm creating something called The Psychic Yellow Brick Road, and it will partially be about wiki-woo subjects, like my two top rules for getting a useful reading. And some of it will just be on how to... Navigate the world, you know, things like junk food for the soul, dare don't compare. You can't get it wrong. And I've done it audio only so that when you're waiting in line at the CVS outside window or you're just jogging for a few minutes, you can listen to something and have a little bite of interesting information. So hopefully that'll be out late October.
1: That's not far away. I know. I'm hurrying up. I know. I know the feeling when you when you want to do something, you just like I gotta do it now. Mm-hmm. You said earlier that when you wanted to do your practice full time, your husband was very supportive. Has he ever had any issues with your wiki woo? Not really. There are some
2: things that he doesn't quite understand how they work, but he doesn't have to. He just knows that you know. I've read thousands of people, and the reviews had been wonderful, and a lot of clients keep coming back, so I must be doing something right. But I do laugh about the fact that when we were first dating, I did a numerology compatibility report with the two of us, which was very good. And for the first five minutes, it was like, oh, this is nothing. Oh, this is... Th-. And then there's silence. 20 minutes later, because it was like a 40-page report, he walks in from the living room holding the document like it's a dead rat and saying, I don't like this. It's too accurate. So,
1: It, it is very scary for him, right?
2: Well, he knew what he was getting into when we got together because um, something happened immediately when we were dating. Uh, he was very, very close to his father who died in 91. And he and I started dating in 2000. It was around Christmas. Carl was bringing in the tree and we set it up in the holder and we undid it you know all the twine so it would rest overnight and the branches would open up and um i come out in the morning and he's staring under the tree and he points to something and he says did you put that there it was a little plastic it looked if you remember the old uh things you used to put in the middle of 45 records but a very very tiny one these were what were in little BB gun, Nerf guns that he had when he was a kid. And, he and his father would run all over the place and, you know, shooting each other. And even when he was older, when his father would visit, his father would have one and stick it somewhere, you know, in the refrigerator or on the mantelpiece, whatever. And I said, I did not put that there. And he's staring at it and I get a little tingle. And I look over at the front door and I see his father, whom I'd never met, he had died years before, grinning like an idiot. And I looked at Carl and I said, it's from your father. It's his Christmas present. And Carl just collapsed in tears. But that's when he knew I was really real. Wow. And his father had apparently apported it from wherever. So kudos to to Bob Kopecky.
1: Now, have you had anybody in your life who was resistant or didn't believe in your psychic abilities? Oh, still do.
2: There are people in my family who think that uh, I'm, you know, like a, a charlatan who steals people's money. They will not tell anybody what I do. They tell people I'm a motivational speaker. Um, oh. When I visit them and discuss anything about my work, I am ignored like I haven't spoken and they just go on. So, you know, live and be well. Just because they don't believe what I do, 30,000 people over the past 20 professional years do. I know the difference I've made in lives. And so all I can say to the ones who don't believe is thank you for sharing. You may think that if you wish. It's not going to stop me.
1: You do fabulous work. Thank you. And yes, we do need new generations of psychics.
2: Yes, we do.
1: So if you're out there listening and you want to know how to have your own business as a psychic, you will want to get Corby's book, You've Got the Magic. Who needs a genie?
2: Everything I learned, kids, it's all in there for you.
1: If you were to give one piece of advice to the listeners, whatever that is, what can you tell them now? All right,
2: I'm going to assume that listeners are not just people who want to be psychics, but everybody. There are three questions that you should learn to ask yourself whenever you bump up against something. The first one is What am I ex about? X is the emotion. What am I angry about, sad, depressed, frightened, confused? Second question is, why am I X about that? And then the third question we never ask ourselves what do I think would happen if I stopped being X about that? It's called stimulus belief response. You can change what you believe about a given situation. And when you do, everything changes. It's like what Wayne Dyer says. You'll see it when you believe it.
1: Thank you for that. And thank you for being on the show. This has been very informative and you're very enthusiastic. I love what I do. I can tell. That's fabulous.
2: Thank you. It was great to be here.
0: Thank you for joining us for Witchcasting with Theodora Pendragon. Have a burning question or have a topic you'd love Theodora and her guests to discuss on the show? Contact her through Instagram at TheodoraPendragon. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next one. And help us spread the word by leaving us a rating and review and sharing it with your friends. See you next time and may your magic always shine. Thank you.